0: Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll free line is open at 1 800 374 3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. July 3rd. How did that happen? We're already into July. And it is indeed summer. And oh, what a hot summer it is. I don't know if we're going to break some records today with the heat, but I hope that you're all taking the time this morning after the show to be in the garden and then take this afternoon to sit in the shade and just take in the beauty of what our gardens bring. Yes, it's going to be a hot one. And I was thinking with all the the heat that we've been uh, getting, I have to say my garden has been exploding. And I think it's uh, the squash, the muskmelons, the cantaloupes and the zucchinis that are loving this weather. And yes, the flowers are starting to tower tall. And so I found a poem that gives about towering plants, something like hollyhocks. So take a listen to the poem, Hollyhocks, Old Fashioned Flowers i love them all the morning glories on the wall the pansies in their patch of shade the violets stolen from a glade the bleeding hearts the col- columbine have long been garden friends of mine but memory every summer flocks about a clump of hollyhocks the mother loved them years ago beside the fence they used to grow and though the garden changed each year and certain blooms would disappear to give their places in the ground to something new that mother found some pretty bloom or rose bush rare the hollyhocks hawks were always there it seems but yesterday to me she led me down the yard to see the first tall spires with blooms of flame and taught me to pronounce their name and year by year i watched them grow the first flowers I had come to know, and with the mother dear I yearn to see the hollyhocks return. The garden of my childhood days with hollyhocks had kept ablaze. In all my re- recollections, they in friendly columns nod and sway, and when to day their blooms I see, always the mother smiles at me. The bright chambers life unlocks each summer with the hollyhocks you're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal for July 3rd. I'm a little tongue twisted. I don't know if it's the heat or what, but I've got a nice little fan on me here. And so we're trying to keep things cool. Yes, maybe working in the garden this afternoon is not the target thing to do, but maybe a little bit in the morning and then later in the evening. One of the things that we have to remember is sort of looking at it. And uh, I know that uh, from experiences, it, I know that some of us may be on some water restrictions, but it is key to get some moisture on some of our plants. Uh, it's also key for especially hanging baskets. Oh my, the hanging baskets, you're probably finding that you're you're watering in the morning and later in the evening. And sometimes what I like to do is the hanging baskets, when you do need to water them, maybe a little hint or a tip is to maybe grab that basket off its hook and put it in a reservoir of some water. So watering from the top, you'll get the water that goes all the way through. But I find that sometimes when you're watering from the top, and the the root ball of your hanging baskets, and it can also happen to your container pots, they get dry. And what happens is the soil will pull away from the sides a bit. And as you water, it may be a little bit more evident in hanging baskets, it waters and you see this rush of water coming from the bottom of the pot thinking that maybe you have given it enough moisture. But if you realize that the soil, it's like that dry land and you get that flash flood, it runs across the surface. It runs down the sides of the pot and out the bottom without wicking and moist getting that moisture to the core of the entire root ball. So by sometimes optimizing by taking it down, putting it into a bucket of water and letting it have a nice, big, long drink. You will tell when it's ready to hang. It's going to be a little bit of a muscle work to get that pot up on its hanger. But you know that then the plants have drawn in the moisture that they need and it's going to give them a little bit of excess for the day ahead. In that heat, and it's even too sometimes watering early in the morning when the plants have a chance to get that moisture out of the ground and into their plant cells, because hot afternoon watering sometimes the evaporation rate happens so fast that you think that you're watering and you're watering, and there's that uh, exhaustion or the plants look so wilty. You have to remember that a lot of these plants are. Transpiring or they're losing a, a lot of moisture through their leaf structures so fast that they're not able to take it up. I feel sorry looking around at some of the trees in our neighborhood. Oh, the trees. We should, I hope, for rain soon when it comes. Maybe tomorrow we'll get that nice thunderstorm. Because if you take a look at some of the large trees in our area, I think they're looking a little sad. It's hard to say that a tree looks sad. But if you look at the leaf structures of them, they are hanging down. They're looking. So if you can give your trees a little bit of moisture, they would benefit. And you might see the leaves just perk up a little bit. It would be a sign of a thank you of sharing some something, some liquids to keep them going. Now, the one thing I wanted to say was we had a conversation last week when we were talking about uh, fire blight in the, in the soil. We want to sort of mention, and I wanted to give it a shout out, and sometimes it gets too busy that we forget to answer back, but the fire blight on some of the answers that we had, and this came from Evelyn last weekend from Troll Story, that she said she had fire blight on some of her plants, and if it was uh, existing in the soil, it usually harbors in the bacteria on the plants themselves, on the structure of the tree, and it's transferred by bug, disease, bees, pollinators. So... A little bit of shout out again, if you see things that are drying and sometimes we see that fire blight could be not identified right away because in areas where you find that in drought situations where you think that leaves are being crisp and maybe being underwatered, fire blight could also be a little bit of a sign that this could be happening and it might not necessarily be the fact that it's looking wilty because of lack of moisture. So fire blight affects our plums, it affects our apples that's on there. And again, if you're doing any type of uh, pruning out of your fire blight, make sure that you are doing a nice cleanup of your secateurs, your pruners, your loppers of a nice bleach solution before cut to cut. Because if you touch a piece of fire blight and you go to a new area, you are doing transference of that bacterial disease. All right. The lines are open 1 800 374 3315. Now, when we're talking about watering and the heat that's out there, sometimes also, too, when we're thinking of maybe, uh, I know that I was thinking about, gee, there may not be as much insect activity moving around with all this excessive heat. They might be hiding in with some of the shade as well. So, In some aspects, we've had some people that have given us a call or have dropped by to say, how do I guarantee that I get some pollination on my plants? Because it's, it's possibility that sometimes when we have crops, and I know the last year, uh, we had some, a lot of callers calling saying that there's hardly any pollinating or pollinators and that they were lacking in tomatoes and all that other kind of uh, fruit and vegetables. So, I was out there with a little Q-tip last night finding my flowers of male flowers and female flowers and looking at it and doing a little bit of cross-pollination with a Q-tip. You can do that. It, you know what? It's kind of relaxing going out there and doing things like that in the garden. It just gives you that activity. It also gives you a little bit of activity where you can be cross-checking for bugs and diseases at the same time it also tells you where maybe uh where you're spying across your large par- pot of parsley where you have some black swallow larvae or some caterpillars that are waiting so in essence too you find some bugs you find some diseases diseases no no but a little bit of parsley shared with some black swallow yes that's enjoyable, and it gives us something to be able to share with our grandchildren in the garden. We're going to go right to the lines. Agatha's on hold. Hi, Agatha. Hi. Hi, Martha. Hi. Where Agatha, are you coming from? You. Sorry? I have a question for you. For sure. I've What's always you-
1: wanted a little Christmas tree to grow from a pot, and a friend gave me one. Oh, it's only about 3 4 inches tall. Now, how do I keep it alive?
0: So, okay, is it a, uh, now there's two types of, is it a a tropical or is it a hardy tree sapling that she's taken from uh, the ground outside?
1: I would say it has been taken out of the ground outside.
0: Yeah. Okay, so evergreen trees do not do well over the winter kept indoors as Christmas trees, as a living tree. Yeah,
1: when it's just little.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? A lot of times what you can do is you can eat winter them outdoors. Uh, my mom and dad used to harvest trees from their prop- property and put them into pots and overwinter them and stack them. We do this exact same thier- thing here in some of our grower pots. We overwinter things in pots, but what we do is we uh, give it extra winter protection. So what we do is we you can actually take that bot- pot and bury the pot the plant, the tree in the pot in the ground to ground level and put some extra leaf mulch around it for it to survive because it will enter into that cold dormant state that's on it and then you'll be able to bring it out again next year until you're able to, um, I should say are you going to optimally plant it in the garden or in the your yard or are you going to try and keep it in a pot
1: eventually when it gets too big I will give it to a friend who has lots of outdoor space
0: very nice.
1: Yeah, she could put it wherever.
0: Yeah, well, I would benefit that way. If you want to grow it into a pot, so that you have the benefit of either having it patio or or uh, you know balcony side, you can do that. But for the winter, chances for it to go through, you're going to have to winter it outdoors, so it enters into its dormancy because it is not a tropical plant. Um, do I, know I cover that it totally with? You, with yeah. This? yeah you can not you 're not going to cover it totally with soil what you 'll do is plant or dig it if you have an area of a garden that you can sink the pot to ground level in the ground and then put leaf mulch on top, maybe put a mesh netting or something on the top that 's on it uh, because even smaller evergreen trees in nature, if snow covers the entire thing mm-hmm. it 's perfect it 's it's, it's completely covered it 's isolated it 's insulated. And uh, they benefit from that because it gives them that warm winter blanket of white snow.
1: During the summer, does it need fertilizer? Does it need to be moist? Does it need to be dry?
0: Well, in the summertime, well, we definitely know that we need to water it. And if you're looking at it, they can go slightly dry between waterings because it is a sapling. You don't want it to uh, dry out completely that's on it because it causes added stress to it. With evergreens... At this time, like all our trees and shrubs, they benefit from having a granular fertilizer and a liquid feed at the same time. The liquid feed is actually absorbed up a lot faster because it's like you know running a marathon and having a drink of water. It's going to go right into our system a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. So uh, fertilizing, but always, always stop fertilizing mid-August because, believe it or not, mid-August, the plants know intrinsically that they have to start their dormancy pattern and that's where we want to make sure that things start the beginning process of a shutdown okay okay yeah It's well, exciting. Thank you.
1: i hope it works for me
0: well i hope so too it's it, you know it's kind of fun you just gave me a flashback memory of my mom and dad they would have lots of gallons of uh little cedars and little spruce trees growing and uh my brother who's in brandon he was a benefactor of that because he had big acreages, so when he had his property, uh, he got all these little evergreen trees, so that was beautiful out there. Well, thank you. You're very welcome, Agatha. Enjoy your day.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Okay. okay. Bye-bye. So there is, it's something, and you see that practice even right now on some of your garden centers. It's not like the field, there certain categories that are still grown and harvested in the fields. And most of the times your spruce trees, uh, if you're looking at transplanting or doing different types of moving, don't transplant on the heat of the day. But what we're looking at is your evergreens. If they're grown in a pot, they can actually be, uh, planted at any time in the season. That's why the, everything's sort of transitioned in the gardening aspect of it is it's no longer the old days where we used to harvest, put it in the pot and sell it. Now things are grown in pots They're wintered in their pots so that their rooting systems become this one entity and it is easier on the plant, less stress that's on it. So it's actually more beneficial. So it's a win-win. I hope it works for you, Agatha. Just keep up with the watering on it because I know in the heat of this, we want to make sure that our plants are getting that moisture that's in the ground. Now, when we're talking about, we said we're trees and the shrubs, I do have to mention that uh, we've been flipping over our nursery here into one area and I've had the opportunity to work with some of the roses in the rose section and I have fallen in love again with the roses and I don't know what it is, if it's just the colors of them, it's just the, the development of the rose hips after the petals have fallen and even the petals that have fallen on the ground on a daily basis when you walk through a rose bush area. It is so pretty, the roses and the petals. It reminds me of the wedding, of the roses being tossed that's in there. And just because it's quiet and just because it's a beautiful sunny day, I found a poem, and it was called The Rose. So before we go to message, I'd like to read you another poem. It's called The Rose. Oh, Rose of June, thou art so fair, thy beauty are being entrances as though the sweet blossom scent air the butterfly merely dances and when from the field so softly steals the zephyrs gently wooing thy fair leaves fall over trellis and wall our paths with this beauty strewing o oh, rose of june thou art so fair fair queens of florist art thou o oh rose thy sisters however we may love them when thou thy matchless charms disclose, must thy thee in beauty above them. And when thy unstemmed diadem, our splendor thou art glowing, singing thy praise, our glad voices we raise, our hearts with joy overflowing, our fair queen flowers art thou, O Rose. The lines are open. 800 374, 3315. It seems like it's a quiet morning. I think you're all listening and getting intent. Maybe he's sipping on a cool lemonade in the heat of the the afternoon or this morning that's here, sorry. And the preempt to the roses that I wanted to discuss was we've had a few questions about roses. And being working with the roses the last couple of weeks, there is that passion of the roses. And not only do we live in a province that you'd wonder how some of these plants survive, or the, dis- the the diversity of the amount of roses that we have, you have to understand that there's a lot of uh, work that has been gone into developing a lot of our roses here in Manitoba. And not only do we have the Explorer roses, or the Parkland, or the Morden Series roses, there's diversity in the shape and structure of them they look like sometimes the old roses of um not a true tea rose you know not the ones that you get the long stem roses from your beautiful bouquet from your from your bow but these are beautiful roses in sense that the size is diversified the color is diversified and have you planted roses have you seen the amount of roses that are out there the one that's uh, brings to mind for me is years ago Uh, I was gifted from my parents a couple roses, the Jean Cabot rose. And yes, did you know that we can have climbing roses in Manitoba? They can trellis and go up the vines. They can go over top of the arbor. They just need that little extra help in the winter by laying them down and having them winter back up that's on there. And the other types of roses that we look at when you're getting the types is your hardy explorer roses yes that's part of john cabot but you can also look at some of the other ones that are in there uh, one of my favorites is the rose empowerment hot pink now the hot pink flowers you can go into the ones that are the campfire the never alone rose the empowerment rose but i think There's always a flower that you fall in love with and there's a flower that you kind of say, okay, I've liked you in the past, but there's a new one. And a new one for me, yes, it's all about working with the plants, is Bill Reed. It's a newer one that's in there. And with the Bill Reed rose, it's something about looking at it and sort of saying, what is this rose? Well, the Bill Reed was one of the newest uh, members that came in with the Canadian Artist Series. It's beautiful. It's outstanding. It's shiny leaves that are on it. It's self Cleaning, So which means it's going to drop its petal that's on it. You can also deadhead. I always have a true believer that at a certain point, I will continue deadheading on some of the flowers just so that the rose hips don't develop. And it also causes that energy to go back into producing more flowers. So it's a bold yellow and it fades to a soft butter yellow. So you get that transitioning colors from them. And it's two and a half to three feet tall. So it makes it perfect for little spaces that you can either use as a border of foundation or mass planting. It blooms for a long period of time. So that is the other thing that we like because we like and we favor plants that will go from one to another that's on it. All right. So if you're thinking about roses, you might want to go out and take a uh, peek at it and see what there is at your favorite garden center. We're going to go right to the lines. Lorette is there. Hello, Lorette. Hi. I'm calling Hi. about the Datura plant. Yes.
1: I was given one as a gift, and it's perfectly gr- growing. It's purplish, er, like the outside of the bloom, and whitish inside. Yep. Now, is it a bulb or a tuber, or is it from seed?
0: It is from seed. Now, Datura... Um, it, it comes from the fan, like families, there's the, the purple ones that you have are going to be small trumpeted flowers. They're going to be probably three to four inches in, uh, length that's on it. It's got a very cupped or trumpet type sh- shape to it, but it, it does have a you have to be careful with, uh, pets and with children because it has a toxicity to it. So you want to be careful with it. But as it develops, Lorette, you'll see that, um, the flower will fall and you'll get a very prickly pod that develops the cluster of seeds on the inside of it. And if you let them, you can collect the seeds by the seed pods, but you have to let them ripen to the point where they're very brown uh, because the seed pods will be prickly and green, uh, almost the size of a walnut. They usually develop into a size, basically a walnut size. uh, But you want to make sure that I find that before they get very, very brown, you can either put a plastic bag with a little uh, clip on it to cl- catch the seed when it explodes open, or just clip it when they're very brown and dried before they open up.
1: Okay. Well, I've, yeah, I have. Like, it almost look, looks like another flower, and it's purplish and it's bumpy.
0: Yeah, if it's bumpy, if it's bumpy, it's it's going to start. If it's if the fi- if the flower finished, if the set of this. Uh, the seed set like uh is starting to develop. It produces a pod and then it gets into a prickly ill to actually go into a prickly. It's actually um it's it's sharp to touch. I know that sometimes we collect them to collect some of the seed and they're very prickly. So you sometimes it benefits it's like a rose thorn. Uh sometimes it benefits by wearing a pair of gloves when you do harvest from the datura.
1: Okay, now there's quite a few of those uh see
0: Project. Yeah, if uh, if you don't want them to, because here's the other thing, datura will self-seed in a garden given uh, the opportunity. So it will spread and it will drop its own seed. And sometimes if you're not as uh, diligent as cleaning up in the spring, you'll notice that a lot of products, even snapdragons, will self-seed themselves in the garden. So if you do not want them spreading, you can cut off the early set of those seed sets because you know that the season is long and you can still collect from the flowers further uh going into even uh, august and september so i would probably remove some of them just so that the plant gets the energy back into producing more flowers for you because the detura flower is very pretty it's very unusual but it's very pretty
1: i thought that was my next question if i should remove some of them or not but you answered a question.
0: <laughs> yes, I would remove them. I'm a firm believer that if I deadhead, even trimming uh, some of the leaves and the branches to make the density or the more compact of some of the plants, and I love removing even in some of the trailing petunias and uh, calabrochias and trinia and verbenas, giving one-third of that structure a, a, a cut back on one-third of the length Will just encourage growth further back at the start, so it doesn't get long and leggy and hollow out in the center, and it creates a nice compact uh plant you know it's like shearing and maintaining it makes everything's nice and trim and crisp, and it encourages blooming
1: does it need a lot of fertilizer
0: I, a- I find yeah i don't find that the Jura needs a lot of fertilizer that's on it if it's in an area where you are fertilizing your other annuals at the same time. That should suffice, but uh, it itself you should not have to over fertilize it okay, okay,
1: thank you very much
0: you're very welcome Lorette. Thank you for calling bye 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 and Avet, before we go to gary there is uh, uh I know that lorette has got the purple variety of, uh, but there are white ones as well. And there are some angels trumpet, uh, like datura, will dangle down angels trumpet will go upwards. That's on it. But the, these ones, the whiter varieties have a tendency to be five, six, seven inches in length in the blossom itself. But just remember there is a toxicity to datura, So you have to be cautious. That's on it. Wash your hands after you handle the seed and be cautious of children and pets. All right, well, let's go right back to lines. Good morning, Gary.
2: Yeah, good morning.
0: Good morning. Where are you calling from today? From Winnipeg. From Winnipeg. Well, yeah. it's going to be a hot one in Winnipeg today. Yes. Yeah, how can we help you on the lawn uh, and garden I uh,
2: have a question. I buried uh, grape wine for the winter to have it uh, getting roots there, eh, to plant, get a plant out of it. Yeah. So if I have buried it during the winter, it w- will have gotten roots, right?
0: Well, if you planted it in the winter, it should have started developing roots. If it is, because it would have transpired and it would have had time to produce some nodes and some extra roots. So, do you see? Uh, do you have the woody stem exposed, and is there any growth coming from it?
2: Yeah, there's there's coming growth out of on the other side. Uh, like I left it attached to the to the plant, you know. To the mother? Yeah. So, no, no is my question. When is the best time to cut it off that it grows on its own?
0: Well, if I was going to do it, I would make sure that you have substantial growth on the upper portion of it before you harvest and take it from the mother portion of it. Uh And if you laid it onto the ground and you see where the growth came from the ground where it's coming upwards, uh, at some point you may want to trail back to where you know where you laid that in the ground. Uh-huh. So that you are able to see how much roots are there. Okay. okay. So and again, I probably would not do it now because the heat stress. You want to make sure that your the temperatures are a little bit cooler when doing any type of harvesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just too stressful and too hot right now. Okay.
2: So should I do it in September?
0: Yes, you can do it in September for sure. Okay. Or even late late August, early September, because even at that time, we find that the last, or uh, historically, uh, we are still have a lot of growing season late August, September, October, for rooting to occur. Okay. Okay. And just remember too, also when we do transference or we're doing planting, because I know there's still a lot of people that like to plant all summer, is by making sure that when you dig your new hole, uh, dig the hole prior to lifting and harvesting because then the root isn't lifted up early and exposed to all the elements. They make it a, trick, a quick transference. Dig your hole first, fill it up with water, and then add some bone meal, and then dig up your new plant and then put it in the hole that is already prepared and ready for you. Oh, okay? okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. All
2: Thank you very much.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling, Gary. Yeah. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. And that is one category that is, uh, it's kind of exploded, is the amount of people that are interested in growing their own food. And that goes from grapes to raspberries. Raspberries and blueberries have been such a... a, a a welcoming thing for people. And even yo- I find that younger families are coming in. And even there was a small child that was in the other day looking for golden raspberries. I couldn't believe that she would even know that there was golden raspberries. So I think she was listening to someone that was talking because yes, there's red raspberries, red boins. There's uh, even your golden raspberries. Wouldn't that be a pretty little dessert? Golden raspberries and red raspberries. Yep. Followed with a dollop of whipped cream. Hey, that is a beautiful summer dessert that's in there. So if you're looking at diversifying and putting in, I find that not only this year have people been putting annuals in, but the strong influence and apple trees. The apple tree uh, category too, is if you're looking at fruiting trees, it's one area that has just exploded as well. So, and the one thing is with some people that are looking at it, apple trees, if you have a large area and you know that you need another pollinator that's for it. You have to take in the capacity that if you want an apple tree, take a look around your neighborhood because if your neighborhood has an apple tree, you may have a pollinator already there for you. These are certain things that are great for it, so sometimes thinking of your landscaping of yourself, you should think outside box and see who's Around you in your neighborhood, because sometimes if you're planting and you're wanting a shade tree, the benefit of having your neighbor's shade tree at certain times of the day giving you shade gives you the opportunity to sort of say, "Okay, where is the best spot for planting my trees? And that also affects when you're doing your apple trees and your fruiting trees is, hey, I'd like one, but I can't afford to put two apple trees in my backyard. What can I do? It's the perfect opportunity to go around, walk around the neighborhood and see who has an apple tree, a crab apple tree or plum tree that's in your yard. And the other thing too is take a look at small small trees. Did you know that there are um, apple trees that are actually dwarf in nature? They're smaller. You can actually do uh, a Goodland dwarf or there's a Honeycrisp dwarf. I think if I remember right, uh, Prairie Magic is also another one that is a dwarf. And when I'm talking dwarf, I'm talking under uh, 10 feet. And if you do crop management, you can even keep it probably under 8 to 9 feet if you want and do selective pruning of branches. And then you have the density of having your fruit on a lower stem and you're able to crop manage it in a better way. Now, to throw another wrench into the mix, If you're looking at diversified and you really want a collection of different type of apples, take a look at your garden center, visit your garden center and look for combination fruiting trees. So when you say combination, yes, there have been some developments on some apple trees where you actually get one trunk that has had three up to four different types of apples grafted onto it. So you may even get an apple tree that has the Goodland apple, the Honeycrisp apple, Prairie magic, and who knows, maybe another another one. The same thing happens with plums. Now in the plum category, you'll also get a plum combination plum, which is a little bit newer that's on the block. So it's actually beneficial too. Now, oh, you know what? Plums. We had somebody asking about plums last week, right? Okay, it's on my list. So we were talking about on some plum trees. What happens with premature drop? Now, I think I sort of mentioned that there may be a disease that's on there and I kind of looked it up. Yep. So if you're getting some plums and they look like they're growing unusual and they're unable to ripen, they're abnormally large and then just kind of dropping... There is a disease that's come out there. It's sometimes referred to as plum pocket, or I, I hadn't heard of it called as bladder plum. That was new for me. But this is a, a type of disease that affects some of the plums. And it's a pure thing that when you do get something like this, or if it's something that is diseased, the first thing you should do is remove the diseased portion or the branches. And the management then comes from doing applications of this spray. And one of those things that we can do is, uh, it's very similar to, uh, the apple maggot. You get the apple maggot traps can basically be used on your diseases for your plum pockets or that's on it. And you have to apply the apple maggot traps to either your apples trees or your plum trees to try and catch that fly that creates this that's on it. So uh, applying your apple maggot traps just after the blossoms have dropped but before the fruit development that's on it it targets these bugs that get into there that tarnish that may be causing some of these diseases that are on there and it helps to eliminate it and just remember too if you're working on some of these fruiting things remember if you have fruit that are dropping it's best to go out and pick it up so that you have a clean site now let's go right back to lines james is on hold good morning james
2: good morning
0: Good morning, I'm and where are you? From... Oh, go ahead. Where are you calling from? Downtown Lebo. Lebo. Well, hello. Good morning to Lebo. How can we help Thank you today, you. James?
2: I want to find out about transplanting uh, Christmas trees, and uh, like how far around the tree do I dig? They're like six inches, to two feet tall, and and uh, how far down I dig and, and to replant them. And also, what happened, What causes the the old Christmas trees, saw the, some of them, the branches start turning brown, and the tree starts dying. And uh, I did a pH test years ago of the soil, and I was told to mix up a mixture of sulfur and uh, earthworm casings and something else with water and spray it around the tree land around the trees, but it didn't help. And then after the trees are passed away, they, they're, they're very brittle and uh, the the part the main part of the tree, the trunk looks like it's got a bunch of little holes in it
0: okay, so let's go back at the beginning, transplanting yeah. trees, okay, so you're growing a bunch of small trees, okay, when you are uh, harvesting the trees, we know, generally you harvest before the new growth opens on a tree that's in yeah. the spring, or after the new bud development or the new pines have opened and they have hardened off. So that would be late fall. Okay. So you can do it, uh, late fall that's in there. Uh, so that was the portion of it. You do not want to be cutting in between when the, when the new, um, when the new growth opens and it's super soft, don't do that. You want to wait until it's hardened off. So that's when you're transplanting this. Now, when you transplant, you're, I'm gonna have to get a big enough root ball, and it's generally a root ball that starts at the outer tips, okay? Yeah, so especially on ones that are only you know, if it's only a foot to two feet uh tall, I would make yeah. sure that you have a good root system that's on there. So I would probably go to the outer tips of your um, uh, of the like, how wide are they? Are some of them like 18 inches wide?
2: Um, no, there may be. 12 inches wide. Okay.
0: Okay. So if you're going a little bit wider, you can go a little bit wider and probably go the depth of what the the height of it is, it is. too as well. Okay. Okay. And make sure when you're planting it and digging it, it's the same thing. Have your mixture of good topsoil um, mixed with you so that you're able to backfill into the pots at the same time. And you're going to have to make sure that you're supplying some good moisture that's in there. Okay. Okay. Okay, and I hate to tell you, but they're telling me we're out of time. So can we leave? Can you call me back? Hey, James, call me back next Saturday, and we can open up the show by starting it with all the rest of your questions, and I'll have a whole list for you. you. Okay? Thank you. Okay, we're out of time, and we have to take a break. James, I'm sorry to cut you off, but we'll talk to you next Saturday. We'll be right back after this message. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for calling in, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday with James, who's going to help us start off the show talking all about spruce trees. Have a good weekend, everybody. Stay cool.